Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Listener submitted ghost story from Steve M. About 20 years ago, I was out with a friend and had to swing by her house real quick. She was only running in fast, so she left the car door open a tiny bit. I sat in the vehicle with the radio on just hanging out. It was a normal summer night, no wind, no breeze, or anything like that. The car was an old Lincoln Town car, and the doors would lock automatically when it shifted from park to drive. As I was sitting there hanging out in the car, Fade to Black by Metallica came on. About a minute or two into the song, the passenger door slammed shut. It wasn't windy, and the door wasn't open enough to slam shut on its own without somebody doing it. I looked up, expecting to see my friend, but there was nobody there. I was looking around, wondering what had happened, when all of a sudden, all of the doors locked. It was insane, because the car was in park, and it wasn't immediately after the door slammed. So I jumped out of the car trying to figure out what happened. At the same time, my friend and her brother came running out of her front door. When she had gone into the home, her brother was standing by the front door with a hockey stick, telling her how much unexplained activity he had been hearing. While they were walking around investigating, something pounded and slammed up in the attic. I believe this was right at the same time that my car doors locked. It was nuts. We all checked her house and found nothing. We checked the attic and nothing had fallen over. Nothing happened after that. No more noises or anything. For about a week after that, any time I drove by that street, I'd cycle through the rock stations and twice Fade to Black was playing. Inconclusive really, since the song was on the radio a lot back then, but still, it was pretty intense. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and these are your hometown ghost stories. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories. Listeners submitted ghost stories, part five. I was just thrown for a loop because Rob sent me a message that said it is not all of the sudden, it's all of a sudden. Why would you yeah. ever listen to Rob if he's trying it to- It is all of a sudden. It's well, not I all just, of isn't. sudden. It's all of the sudden. You are I wrong. always thought so, but I just Googled it. And according to Grammarly, <laughs> Rob is correct. Can't just have Rob be right about things all of a sudden. This is fucked up. I'm just always right. Just always right. That's why I'm in a castle right now. <laughs> For those of you asking about Rob's background, he is literally in a castle in New York. So if his uh, if his connection is a little wobbly, that's because he's going off hotel Wi-Fi. But it's cool to be in a castle, and that's where he is. So yeah. Rob's in a castle. Me and Dave are in our houses, in our studios. And we are joined by Brent Thomas, who actually lives in a castle. Welcome in, Brent, from the Paranormal Portal. Like the fifth, sixth, ninth time on the show. Welcome in, Brent. Hey, hey thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so it's a paranormal portal castle. He is. Yeah, it's a it's a humble castle, <laughs> but every man's home is his castle. So yeah, here I am. Very good. So uh, welcome in from the paranormal portal. If you haven't checked out the paranormal portal on YouTube or the podcast yet, I highly recommend that you do. I check it out every time that I can, and it is a phenomenal show. And we have a lot to learn from Brent, so we brought him back on because he's smarter than us and more handsome. Welcome. <laughs> good to have you it's good to have you so that was an opening ghost story from steve m that one was 
we just titled it Fade to Black because it's a good uh, it's a good name. Also has to do with the Metallica song that he was hearing on the radio during the haunting. And then it seemed that every time he was passing by the house, he would hear this song. Now, he didn't really chalk that up to anything paranormal because he said it was a popular song at the time and it was getting a lot of plays on the radio. But the ghost story itself was was a pretty cool one. So it started with him in the car and the car door was open a little bit. A few like, like he said, like a minute or two later, the car door slammed and it was it wasn't a windy night. It was a summer night. And the car door wouldn't have closed on its own because it, it was open just enough, but not not swinging. So that was odd. And then all of a sudden, all of the doors locked in the all car. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. I hate that. I hate that. I'm not, I'm not going. Not going to start doing that. Not gonna. Don't like it. But all of a sudden, what was crazy about the story? So you had these things going on and. He says that, you know, the doors had all locked at the same time inside the car, which to what many of us would think is something that happens all the time when you're in the car, but the car wasn't shifted into drive. It was an older vehicle. This wasn't something that happens with the vehicle, but what was even more crazy about it was inside the house at the same time, you had paranormal activity going on inside the house. So his friend had gone in to grab something from the house. Her brother was already standing at the front door with a hockey stick. And because he was hearing noises in the house, so he didn't know what was going on. He had said in the message on Discord that it was a bunch of footsteps that he was hearing around the house. So you could tell he was spooked and he had picked up a weapon because he didn't know if somebody was in the house with him. And then so they investigated around the house. They couldn't really find anything. And then they heard a loud slam in the attics, like something falling over. And they went up there to investigate and they found nothing up in the attic that had fallen over. They couldn't figure out what had make, made that noise. But at the same time that all of this is going on inside the house, outside of the house, something is happening, happening inside the vehicle. And this yeah. is a unique story. I hadn't heard one like this where basically inside and outside of the house, things are happening at the same time. Different yeah, kinds of hauntings yeah. as well. You couple that with the things that are going on inside the house and it, yeah, it really makes like you think. It's it. like something was trying to like seek and destroy them or something. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me wonder though, is this, is it, and, and maybe the the listeners here, but is this activity unusual or was this uh, just a one-off, you know, everything hit the fan or, or is there been a history of that at this location? God, yeah. I'm not sure. So you can, maybe you can give us some more details. I don't know if Steve's in chat right now or not, but okay. He said that after this, nothing else really happened. So I don't know if he was talking about with the vehicle, nothing else really happened, or if he was just talking about how nothing else was happening at the house after or both. So yeah. it was a cool story. Oh, is that Steve right there? Oh, there's Steve. Nice. Welcome in, Steve. Thanks for the story. Steve said uh, nothing ever happened with the both of us together. Okay. That's what and Steve said. But what I wonder what Mama said. Stop it. <laughs> Shall we hop into the next one? I think we Let's should do it. All right. We're going to hop into one of Rob's stories here. This one is from Trevor R. Let's check it out. I was a student minoring in theater at Bowling Green State University and working in Eva Marie St. Theater. As such, I had to do lab hours in my set construction class. These hours were pretty much exactly what you would expect. We were building and painting the set for one of the fall shows. As will happen, we were all talking about everything and nothing all at once. And suddenly, I remembered that the theater we were in was rumored to be haunted. So I ask, 
So has anyone here ever seen Alice? A collective who was let out by some of the younger students. Before I could elaborate, one of the third or fourth year students interrupted. We try not to talk about her in the building, so kindly shut up. And I did. Alice is one of the campus ghosts at BGSU. The short version is that she was a theater student known for playing Desdemona in Othello. Allegedly, she either died on her way to the show or on her way to a cast party after the show. Now her spirit haunts the theater, and ill will will befall any show that she is not personally invited to. She can also be seen backstage dressed in, you guessed it, the long Elizabethan dress her character wore. A few minutes after the convo, the set construction teacher asked me and another student to go up to the fly to lower the light. The fly is where all of the ropes and poling are housed for lighting and sets. So I got off the floor and started towards the steps. The steps are a layered setup, five to ten steps to a little storage room, then five to ten more to the circuit box, and five to ten into the fly. I get up the first set of steps and I'm passing the storage room and I see a flash of someone just inside the door. I couldn't see a face, but the figure was wearing a floor-length dress and I got the distinct impression that it was a woman. But when I slowed down and turned to apologize for almost running her down, there was nobody there. The storage room had some boxes along a wall, but also no one was in that room. I wasn't freaked out at first. But then, I remembered Alice. Sent in by Trevor R. Bowling Green State University, Ohio. Very cool. Rob loves Ohio. I can see why he picked that one. Well, (laughs) my love for haunted theaters will probably always take over my disdain for the terrible state of Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever footage you used there was super cool, but... Man, that cameraman had some balls. That roof like it was looked like it was about to collapse upon his head. I actually looked for some footage of the act of the theater that this was at, but there was no walkthrough footage of it, so I can I couldn't really like show it. So anyways, haunted theaters. I want to investigate a haunted theater. And I'm I know Trevor wasn't investigating it, but to have an experience in a haunted theater is something that I would absolutely love to to have happen to myself or one of us on on the show sometime but they're not the easiest things to find and book exactly so you have no shortage of haunted hotels and you have no shortage of haunted theaters at least here in the united states it seems like every town that has a haunted history if there's a theater in that town that that theater is haunted yeah except the one dave found in like i'm so annoyed and it looked so haunted up in rangeley maine i was like this has to be haunted i'm gonna walk in there and i'm gonna say tell me this place is haunted and everyone's going to have a ghost story. And they're all like, nope, not haunted. No ghosts here. I was like, come on. <laughs> That's how you know it's haunted. Them. You have to ask them more aggressively. I thought you yeah. learned this. <laughs> no. You, you have to shake them. According to Jesse on all of the tours he's been on, he just grabs the tour guide and shakes them until they start telling him haunted tales. <laughs> I'll be back yeah. up there this winter at some point. So I'll sh- shake somebody down. <laughs> <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Brent, have you covered any haunted theaters in your uh, in your travels? I've never investigated any of them, but I'm, I've certainly, in the course of the shows, have talked about dozens of them, and, and it is fascinating. You know, there's there's certain places that just seem to be 
hotspots. And, and some of them make sense, like prisons, hospitals, asylums, but then theaters. And it, and it doesn't seem like with, with the other ones, it seems to be kind of maybe really negative, painful things. But with theaters, I think they're haunted just because these presences love those places. Like they were like, it's a, it's an affectionate kind of thing is what it seems. I think that with theaters, you get performers and performers like to be center stage, right? I mean, that's that's what a theater is to be center stage on. So I think that their spirits are going to be drawn to where they were able to perform in front of people, whether they pass away there or not there. It's the place that they, they felt the most comfortable. They got some of the biggest, you know, natural highs of their life, just performing in front of groups of people. So they're gonna, their spirits will always be drawn back to those locations. I, I would believe. Yeah. If you talk about the other locations that you mentioned, whether you have asylums, hospitals, prisons, you get a lot of death in those locations, not just negative energy that floats around. And obviously death can lead to that as well. But in theaters, you don't get as much. You do have an extreme amount of people that seem to fall from the rafters. We get that. Yeah. Nope. And then lighting fixtures falling on dancers and things like that. So certainly deaths do happen at these theaters, but definitely not as much as you get in those other locations, but it still hits like the top five. When you talk about a haunted city or a haunted town that has some of these locations, whether it's hospitals or prisons or theaters, it just seems to be right up there. You got a theater. It's probably haunted okay. unless you're in that town that Dave went to. <laughs> Before they had all like the OSHA regulations and whatnot, uh, these theaters used to burn down all the time too. So that's why you get a lot of haunted theaters. Not only would they burn down, but we've talked about this. As they're burning down, the exits aren't planned out properly. So you're getting log jams and that's right. you're getting a lot of stampede deaths too. We haven't even covered that one yet, but we will at some point. Absolutely. All right. I think uh, we hop into our next one here. So let's hop into one of Dave's. We will go into grandfather clock is one of yours, right? My mother was sick in early December 2020. The house which I live in has antique furniture from past family members. One is my grandmother's hutch. And I have my mom's grandfather's box clock that bongs like a large grandfather clock, which is on my grandmother's hutch. My mom was very close to her grandfather. They called him Pops. I was called by the hospital that my siblings and I needed to make a decision regarding our mom. She was getting worse, and they wanted us to come see her. We all arrived at the hospital and got to spend time with our mom that evening. She was alert and carried conversations with us. We knew our time with her was very short. We all decided to come to my house after our visit. It was around 7.50 p.m. We were sitting at the table talking when my great-grandfather's clock bonged. To let you know, this clock needs to be wound with a key to work it, and it has not been wound for at least two years. My sister Anna and I looked at each other in disbelief. Then she said, should we call the hospital and check on mom? I agreed, so she called the hospital and we talked to her nurse. I asked if there was any way she could put us on speakerphone so my kids could tell their grandma they love her. The nurse took the phone to my mother, and we got to talk. Anna, my daughter Kaylin, and I all yelled, I love you. The nurse asked my mom, is that your girls? And she said, yes. I said, wait, my son Drew needs to say something. I ran across the room, and as I did, the clock bonged again. We all gasped. I had Drew talk to his grandma. 
We then hung up with the hospital. The clock never bonged again. My husband noticed what the time on the clock was when it bonged the first time. The next morning, my sister and I were getting ready to go to the hospital to sign papers for hospice to take over care for our mom. The phone rang, and the hospital told us to stay home and that my mom had just passed. Of course, we were all heartbroken. My husband then informed me that the clock ran from the time it first bonged and stopped running after the call from the hospital to tell us that our mom passed. The clock literally started running and keeping time from the first bong to the call from the hospital. We swear due to the closeness of my mom and her grandfather that it was our great-grandfather telling us through his clock that he was coming to get my mom and that she is in good hands. Story submitted by Jules. So I didn't realize the story I just saw in chat. Anna said that this was her sister's story. I didn't realize that that, Anna. That was a pretty, it was an equally creepy and nice story. Every once in a while we get one of these ghost stories where it's a family member checking in on their family or making sure that their family's okay. So I like these for those two reasons. And sorry for your loss, Anna and Jules. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. This was a pretty good ghost story. It's a good story. And it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of the ones that kind of make you feel good. You know, one of those closure type stories. We do get several of those submitted on the uh, listeners submitted stories. So it's good to have stories that aren't always terrifying and about demonic possession and all those ones that are a little bit more juicy, but also you're also dealing with real stories with real people. So uh, I like the element with the clock in this one. I like when ghost stories have something different that sets them apart from every other ghost story that kind of is, has the, all the same tropes and go-to things. This one with the, the box clock was interesting because the clock, you have to wind them or it won't work like a watch and it hasn't been wound in two years. So the thing just starts making the bong sound all of a sudden out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden. I know, all, I can't. <laughs> I was saying all of a sudden my whole life. I had, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely, even if it was wound and even if it was working properly, if it was just bonging or chiming, I guess we it, it was bonging, right? I can't think, of, when I read that story, I was like, too many bongs here. I got to change it up if I'm going to use it. David ended up using it, but I was like, I got to rewrite this and not say bong so many times. But I couldn't think, what, what other word would you use for that clock? I can't think of one. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't notice all the all the bongs until the chat started pointing it out. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, I, I keep saying bong," <laughs> but I can't, I can't think of any other. It's not dinging. It's not ringing. It's it's bonging. That's it. Oh, people are now. People have now turned it into a drinking game. So sorry for all of those times that I just said that in a row. Or you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. should be a should be a smoking game. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. The Patreon names are going to be fun tonight. Yeah, they will be. They will be. All of a sudden, they're all bongs. <laughs> all of a sudden. No, I'm not going to. It's too late to change my whole life. <laughs> it's going to be difficult to go back. It will be. But again, that's a that's a good story. And sorry for your loss. We got a we got a bunch that were really similar to that, where they get kind of one final message across to a loved one, letting them know that you know, saying goodbye or letting them know that everything's going to be okay. Let's do another Rob one because my next one is a little bit different than a ghost story. So let's go into an anonymous submission that we got from Montana. Let's take it away. I always liked the shows that visited the places searching for ghosts, but I never really believed in them myself until that day in the old courthouse. 
I work as a clerk at the local court. Nothing fancy, just dealing with paperwork day in and day out. One night, I was pulling a late shift, trying to clear out some backlog. The courthouse was nearly empty, just me there, finally able to get some work done without being interrupted. And that's when things started to get weird. At first, it was just a flicker of lights, nothing too out of the ordinary. But then I heard footsteps. Clear as day, footsteps in the hallway outside of my office. I figured it was one of the custodial staff finishing up, so I ignored it. But the footsteps didn't stop. They kept getting louder, and it sounded like someone was pacing right outside my door. I called out, thinking maybe someone needed help or forgot something. No response. Just the sound of those footsteps, loud and heavy. Feeling a bit uneasy, I peeked out into the hallway. Empty. I shook my head, chalking it up to exhaustion playing tricks on me. Back at my desk, I tried to focus, but that's when things went from strange to downright chilling. The temperature in the room dropped, and I could see my breath. I felt this heavy presence, like someone was standing right behind me. But when I turned, there was no one there. My heart was pounding, and I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. I froze, not knowing what to do. And that's when I saw it. A shadowy figure forming in the corner of the room. A figure that shouldn't have been there. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. All I could do was watch in horror as this shape took form, like a person emerging from the darkness. It felt like I was standing there forever, but in reality, it was probably just a few seconds before the figure dissipated into thin air. I ran out of there, not looking back, until I was outside of the courthouse. I never talked much about that night, fearing people would think I'd lost my mind. But deep down, I know what I experienced was real. I haven't had anything else happen since that night, but I also make it a point to try and never be there alone anymore. And although it was only once, I know there is something haunting that old courthouse. Sent in by Anonymous, Madison County, Montana. That story was terrifying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what really drew me to it, though, is there is like, we talk about tropes and we, and tropes aren't a bad thing because it's, it's consistency, right? It's, there's the cold, there's the sounds outside, there's the shadow. But what drew me to it is they didn't have another experience there. And they, they kind of made it a point not to. But the other thing I wanted to bring up with this story is this is what we see in certain professions. We've talked about it with scientists, Dave, but people that are working at a courthouse, they're not going to talk to their colleagues for the most part about the place being haunted because their job is, quote unquote, serious. So they don't want to be discredited 
it, you, you see it all the time, especially in, like you were saying, like a courthouse is one, obviously. You see it with scientists for sure. Police officers is another one we see a lot of times when you see a situation. I always go back to the Viacas haunting in Spain where the police officers showed up and they witnessed poltergeist activity and the fact that they were went on the record and made a police report about actual poltergeist activity kind of speaks to its validity because they're not going to risk their career and their reputation by going on the record and making an official police report saying they witnessed paranormal activity. So, yeah, there's certain professions where you have to be grounded in quote unquote reality and you can't be, we, we talk about it all the time, but you can't jeopardize your career off of something that you can't explain. You're a police right. officer. You're supposed to be ex be able to explain what you see. You see all these things happen every day. So you're supposed to come up with some sort of an explanation. You work in a courthouse. That's a very official place. If they think that, you know, you're just speaking nonsense or you're losing your mind, your job could be on the line. And to us, it's not nonsense to our listeners or most of them. It's, it's probably not nonsense, but for these folks, it, it is, it's risky business when you go down that route. We talked about it, especially with like political figures with different presidents that have seen ghosts in the white house for a president to go on record and say that they saw a ghost. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell today you could be removed from office for it. Cause they'd be like, yep, You're you know, crazy. whatever, whatever title that is, you know, like file that. Cause he's, <laughs> he's now losing his mind. So exactly. Winston Churchill is another one who went on the record talking about ghosts. Yeah, and courthouses also tends to be one of those buildings that does have frequent things happening. And maybe it's because a lot of times they were also where the jail was or, you know, they were all these historically like one buildings. They did court, had the jail all together. And so maybe it's the whole, you know, jail energy or, or, or resonance that pulls in a lot of that negativity. But but they do seem to have a lot of activity. There's quite a few of them and people's lives can change there, obviously. So you that's have what I was going to bring up. Yeah. 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 You have people that obviously get big, long sentences and there's yeah. other courthouses where they would hang people right outside. So, oh, right. Good and point. some of them have a jail downstairs. I think the one in Middleborough had a, a jail downstairs or it was formerly a jail or whatever. So there's definitely a whole lot of things that can happen in those places. And uh, Brodad actually brings up a good point. He says, I'm guessing anonymous still has a job at the courthouse. As far as as Good far point. as I know, when the story was sent in, they do because they made it a point to say that they do not. They, their main thing is they try not to stay there late anymore, right? They try to make sure they're not the only one in the building, so they don't have to experience it again. They've had no other experiences, but they're they're actively trying to not have other experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll leave them anonymous, but we're going to bring up our brand new HTGS multiple choice board where you get to pick between two people and decide which one it is. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it this person from Montana or is it this person that's from New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't do that. Obviously, anybody that wants to remain anonymous with these ghost stories, just let us know. And if you don't want to post it in the public Discord chat, obviously, that's not very anonymous of you. So you can always just email it to us or message us and we will keep it anonymous. And even if you don't want your story shared on this podcast, but feel like reaching out to either share your story with someone or ask for advice or whatever, you can send those in. I don't know what kind of advice we can really give, but we do deal with a lot of these stories. We're not exorcists. We don't work with the church, so we can't really do too much, but we'd love to hear them. And, and obviously, if there's anything we can do, we will do so, or we'll Why just you... forward it over to Brent, who will fix all of your problems. <laughs> Why do you think I'm at this castle? I'm here to exercise it. <laughs> well, we know you're not there to exercise, so you might as well do that. <laughs> Brent told me I was looking great before the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. 
Okay, so before we jump into this one, this one's a little bit different. And I wanted to bring up this. So we don't normally talk about UFOs and aliens. We have mentioned it a few times on the show, especially in the Bridgewater Triangle episode where we did discuss some extraterrestrial activity, cryptids, things like that. Brent, is that something that you dive in? I know I've seen some animations that talk about some cryptids. I know you guys have discussed Sasquatch or Bigfoot quite a bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we discuss the the whole spectrum of things. So we do a lot of of uh, alien stuff. Not as much, but it's something that I'm I'm definitely gearing towards more now. Um, you know, I've seen a, a saucer with my own eyes. So it's it's definitely a part of my personal uh, manuscript, I guess, of the paranormal. But uh, it's yeah, it's it's a, a big, huge topic, though. You have a tendency to mention really cool stories and then not tell us about them. We're going to have to go ahead and tell us about this after the video. We'll play the video and then I, yeah. I do want to hear that story. Big shout out to Jeannie R. Gifting 20 Hometown Ghost Stories Woo. memberships in YouTube. Thank you so much, Jeannie. Woo. You have a special place in all of our hearts. Thank you so much. So without further ado, let's talk about aliens. I should start off by saying that my whole life I have had run-ins with aliens. It seems that they are following my bloodline. Nothing shocks me anymore. I recently moved to another part of the state about six months ago from Arkansas, and I haven't had any encounters since I left. But before I left, I did have one significant run-in. I was exhausted from packing for our big move and decided that I would take a nap before doing any more. I walked to my room, but before I knew it, I was walking back out of my room into my surprise an alien was sitting casually on my couch. He was wearing long jean shorts, a white t-shirt, and intensely watching my television. He was completely not acknowledging me as he sipped on a can of Coca-Cola through a straw. Me, completely unafraid but dumbfounded, said, excuse me, can I help you with something? He continued to sip on the can of Coke and watching TV. He said, you need to tell them. I said, what? He took his eyes away from the TV and put the coke down, sat up, and looked at me dead in the eyes. Once again, he said, you need to tell them. Tell them what? I asked again. You need to tell them this is God's planet. I wasn't sure what to do with that message and still have no idea to this day, but I keep getting signs. For example, the other day, my original note that I wrote with a quote that said this is God's planet was lying on my driver's seat when I went to get in. How it got there after six months, I have no idea. Listener submitted story from Adrian E. We have aliens. It's the jorts, I'm telling you. This, <laughs> felt, like, this felt like a, uh, a Coca-Cola Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> by the product <laughs> a little bit a little wow. bit the story is nuts so if if it's true and we encourage all of our listeners who submit only true paranormal experiences that is fucking nuts man <laughs> so you have an alien sitting on your couch probably drinking your coca-cola yeah Maybe the alien brought his own coca-cola i don't know but that is a wild story that uh yeah, we don't we don't dive into too much of these on this story uh, on this podcast, but holy shit, if that's true, that is absolutely nuts. I'm interested to see what the other run-ins with aliens that Adrian has had. So if you have more, definitely 
keep them coming because that is absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. As you were telling this story, I mean, it's it's a tough one because this isn't our realm that we dive into as much, but this is where I was, this is where my mind went with it. Dave, do you remember when you were at the fair and you're standing there and you're eating your French fries and a hand just reaches in and starts grabbing your fries? I do. And you're like, what the hell? And you're ready to fight this person and you turn around and it's Steven Tyler. Yeah, I do right? remember that. From Aerosmith. And you're just like, yeah, because for those who don't know, Steven Tyler's from Marshfield. Like, right. like, well, he lives in Marshfield or did or whatever. And um, it's like one of those stories that you tell people and they're not going to believe or the same with the Bill Murray stuff. You hear Bill Murray will like run into a restaurant and drink somebody's drink or steal their hamburger. And he's like, no one's going to believe you. It's like, I love it. <laughs> one of my favorite things Bill Murray does. Yeah. So it's, it's that, but it's like, if this alien story is real, like what a perfect way to do it just to do the craziest shit so that no one believes the person that tells the story. Like just, if you're the alien, just show up in jorts and just start drinking Coke and, you know, <laughs> Have, having having a religious rant in the middle of the living room and then just leave. I, I got to tell you, I've, um, you know, in all the stories I've covered, I've never covered uh, one in George drinking Coke before, but that's a, that's a new one. Um, it, and you're right. I mean, I don't know. These things are, I mean, sometimes they are kind of on the border of uh, almost like an altered state. Some of these experiences people have with other entities, uh, it almost seems like, it's maybe not as here as it as you think it is. Like maybe you're not quite here, but you're not quite there, and and maybe some symbolism gets imprinted on it too. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. But the other part of that story is that she had said that she had multiple run-ins with aliens, but there was also multiple run-ins with this message that this alien gave her allegedly. So it was, it's God's planet or whatever the message was. But it seemed like six months later she had said that there was a note that she, it seemed like maybe she wrote down the message. So she didn't forget exactly what this alien said. She had wrote it down and then she moved. And however, however it happened six months later, she found that message that she wrote down sitting on the, the driver's seat of her car. Mm. So whether it somehow ended up there or if this alien came back and took that piece of paper and put it on the driver's seat, it's a lot, it's a lot to digest. It, it certainly is with that story, but I would love to hear what the other stories are and what the other run-ins are, because I find this stuff unbelievably interesting. So not a ghost story, but it is a, in the realm of paranormal and unexplained activity for sure. Yeah. yeah we're going to dive more into aliens and cryptids on some side content throughout the year. We need to get together with Papa Squatch because we've been working on something with him to help us out with some of that. That's that one. All right, let's hop into our next listener submitted ghost story. Oh, we've gone through both of yours, Rob. So let me pull up one more here. Oh, wait, no. Brent, you're not off the hook. You got to tell us about your alien saucer. I was sitting here quiet. <laughs> if you'd remember, but okay. So I, I, I've shared this story a lot. So my apologies to any of you that might have heard this. You haven't way. shared it here. I didn't. I'm surprised. But uh, yeah, I don't remember what I've shared here. But uh, okay. So the story was, it was just back before I had a show. And I was doing uh, marketing uh, remotely. But uh, um, and I was working remotely from Minnesota. But the company relocated to where I am now in the north of Idaho. And so um, we had a bunch of contract negotiations coming up. So uh, the, the owner of the company flew me up and, and was going to put me up here. And uh, 
what had happened was he had just bought this this house in the mountains. It's very remote. There's only uh, like seasonal cabins around it, and it's sitting in this valley of the mountains, very you know far out, just on a logging road. And uh, he said, you know, while you're up here, rather than me put you in a hotel, uh, uh, you know, why don't you just stay up at the at the at the house? It's already we're not moved in yet, but you might as well stay there, and then I don't have to pay for a hotel. I'm like, you know what, beautiful, perfect. So he took me up there and he showed me around, gave me the kind of lay of the land. And while I was there, he showed me he had night vision binoculars. I was like, oh, really cool, because uh, I'd always heard that most of our stars in our galaxy are red, and you can't see them with your naked eye. So if you get a chance, look at the night sky with with uh, the infrared. And uh, Generation 1 infrared, so everything look, looks green. But I went through the day's meetings, and then the end of the day, I'm all, I went up by myself back up into the up into the mountain and got up to the house, and, and it was real dark, beautiful, Clear nights, a little bit of a sliver moon, but it's not a lot. But when you're when you're out from away from the noise pollution, the normal night sky is much more radiant and ambient than you think. So it looked beautiful out there, and you can kind of see, generally speaking. So I'm up there, and I whip out these night vision binoculars, and I'm I'm out in the driveway, and I'm looking up, and and it is really fantastic. I really got to recommend if you get a chance to do it, you won't recognize constellations. There's millions of new stars that appear when you're looking through generation one. So I'm, I'm playing around cause I've never really played with generation one night vision before and looking around, looking at the opposite slope, looking at the side I'm on, looking down the down and, and just having to go a ball because this is, you know, I'm like a kid. So then I'm, I, I I'm just decided, well, I'm going to go look at the stars again. So I got the binoculars and I'm going to pan up. I pan up this, maybe ponderosa pine, maybe some kind of spruce. I don't know my trees real well, but it was just right there. And, and I pan up and, and about 30 feet above this tree is no kidding, a flying saucer sitting there. And this is about 150 yards away from me or 200 yards, maybe, but it's just sitting there absolutely silent hovering. And it's, and, and it, it's the interesting thing is, is, you know, when you think of flying saucer, you think of the, the, you know, the two dishes that come together and kind of form a point. But it wasn't like that. It had a gap in between them where there's these these panels and they were lighting like a marquee light, like, a you know, the chasing lights around like a movie theater. And it was going around and around. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. There's a saucer just sitting there up here in the mountains. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to see this with my own eyes. So I lower the binoculars and look, I can see the stars. I can see the silhouette of the tree and everything. But there's nothing there. I'm like. Oh my God, it's gone. And then I raised them up. It's still there. I lower the binoculars. It's gone. Raise it up, lower. I mean, it's only able to be viewed through this generation one night vision. So, so somehow it, 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 it hits me like a brick. They were cloaking. They can hide from our normal uh, native uh, spectrum of light so that we can't see them. And so I'm like this and like this up and down. And, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. Uh, and, and I'm beside myself. And then it occurred to me. It's like, well, I'm, I'm sitting here up in the mountains looking at them. And I'm like the only thing going on in this whole, you know, this whole valley. Chances are they're up there looking at me too. So terrifying. I think that's an oh shit moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't feel I had a hankering for any probing that night. So, uh, so I decided it was a good time to go inside. So I packed it up and went inside, locked the doors, like paced for hours, looking around, waiting to see see if a little, you know, ship will set down or, and that was it. That was the night. And, And I did, you know, after many, many hours, I did finally collapse and just sleep, but but that was my first experience seeing a, a UFO and that was it. No missing time, no weirdness, no, you know, 
it was just there and it was there and I couldn't see it with my own eyes, but I could see it through these generation one night vision goggles. I've always wondered uh, if the government and the military have technology that they, that they don't share with the public that we just don't know about. Like, sure. I wonder. Well, I mean, I'm sure they do, but I wonder if that's where people, because there's so many different people seeing these things. I think it's unlikely it's aliens, but I think it's it's definitely possible that they're that the government has technology that people t- sometimes catch glimpses of. Well, yeah. I think it was the 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 former operator or the former uh, the former uh, boss of Skunk Works. I think I think that's right. I might be attributing it to the wrong person, but he said publicly, "We now have the technology to bring ET home," and that's a pretty bold statement, considering you know we're just you know we're still kind of lobbing bottle rockets at the moon and stuff. You know, I mean, right. our technology hasn't changed that much in the space programs that 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 we're familiar with. But to make a statement like we could bring ET home, that's a that's a huge statement. I just like to think that as Brent's raising his goggles up and down, there's two aliens like panicking in their spaceship in their jorts, drinking their soda. You know, like, <laughs> how in the world is this guy seeing us? What? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know. It was just a, such a, but it was it was seeing that, and then not seeing it, and then seeing it that made me realize well. Because I'd heard of the breakaway space program many times, you know, the TR-3Bs, the triangular craft that are supposed to be reverse engineered from alien tech. And and I don't know what to think about all that, but, you know, that's the claims that are out there. But when it was cloaked and I couldn't see it, except through the night vision, I was like, this is beyond us. It's got to be beyond us. So I don't know. Well, I mean, these sightings have been happening for decades and up until two years ago everyone's like you're a tinfoil hat wearing maniac yeah (laughs) and (laughs) there's one right there but i mean it's these stories are getting like kind of swept under the rug and they don't really make headline news which is wild but you have like the government confirming that they have ufo activity that they can't explain maybe it drops the same week that some sort of rough political news is coming out so everyone's like oh they're just trying to hide us from from this big news story that they don't want people to hear about. That's usually the, the go-to take on it. And basically Joe Rogan is the only one that's talking about this stuff. I mean, I'm sure other shows are, I'm sure, you know, we are right now and, and other people are, but media wise, you don't really see a lot of it in the news, but the government is releasing documents. That's literally saying that UFOs are real and that the, you know, the air force and all these different military uh, branches are releasing footage that they cannot explain and pilots are going on record saying that these things were doing things that none of their aircraft could have done even the advanced technology that the government has and it, it's all but confirmed and everyone's still like ah eh, no you're still crazy but it's it's, it's out crazy, there right? and it's it's verified so it's yeah. it's it's nuts so it any crazy. of these things are possible and you, you can't discount any story no matter how wild it sounds because i mean if you're going to make up a story, you're not going to make up a story that sounds, you know, as crazy as a, an alien in jorts it sounds. But if that's your experience, that's your experience. And, you know, we're not here to discount that. We're here to tell these stories. And I love that story. So um, story of the night is my favorite. Absolutely. One. So, Adrian, if you have any other experiences, feel free to share all of them, because I am all about the alien story. She's in chat right now. So, yes, thank yeah. you for sharing. Awesome. Yeah, Hell yeah. Very cool. Cool, cool. Uh, so any other UFO sightings since then, or is that the only one you've had? I, you know, I, uh, when I got done, uh, done on that trip, I went home 
and went on Amazon and ordered a pair of those goggles. And and well, they're actually binoculars. They're like four power or five power. But I, I did get some, and I spent many a night uh, looking at the night sky. The only thing I regret about them is they have no way to record. So whatever you're seeing, it's personal experience. You can't you can't preserve it through the yeah. mechanics of this thing. But what I did do is I rigged up a, a GoPro knockoff, like a Panasonic knockoff of a, of a GoPro, into one of the eyepieces, and I'm out there, you know, kind of like, you know, using using it with one eye and trying to aim in on stuff. And I've caught some weird stuff, but nothing as profound as that. It's still an amazing story. The only time that we've ever seen something that I was positive was a UFO, which for a moment it was because we didn't identify it, right? So therefore, it's technically unidentified. But we, t- I believe we told the story on the Block Island uh, oh, podcast, yeah. but we had seen something going through the sky and just, mind you, we're on a ghost tour, literally on a ghost tour, walking around Block Island, and we see this ball of fire type thing that's lighting up the sky and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and everybody on the streets like what the hell is that like we're we're with a whole group of people and there's there's, the streets are packed and everyone's looking up like dude this is insane what are we witnessing right now and then it exploded and we're like oh so it exploded (laughs) it turns out it was like one of elon musk's rockets or something like that it was all over the news but but at the time we're like this yeah we had no idea this is the craziest. This is crazier than anything that's going to happen on this ghost tour, which it was still a great ghost tour. Shout out to Block Island Ghost Tours. But, you know, you get interrupted on your ghost tour by a fucking UFO going overhead. It's going to take the uh, it's going to take the spotlight for sure. So that was crazy. Yeah. yeah one, one of the experiences where you're like, what the hell is that in the sky? Um, also, we're on an island, so we're not leaving the island if anything's going down right now. You know what I mean? Like we were just it, it was so different so different mm-hmm. i'll never forget that at all for as long as i live i'll never forget looking up in the sky and seeing that yeah that was awesome insane. all right let's hop into our next listener submitted ghost story this one is crown point uh indiana is that yep. the one that we're doing okay Absolutely. very good let's hop in oh, who's this one from andrew p andrew p all right let's jump into it crown point indiana july 2023 I've always been interested in the paranormal. There's something about the unknown that really draws my attention, no matter how weird or scary. I found this local old jail that on every Saturday hosts ghost tours where you're able to wander throughout the jail and try to communicate with the spirits. The times were from 10.30 p.m. to 3 o'clock a.m. It is believed to be one of the most haunted places in the state. From the outside, it doesn't seem like much, Actually, it just seems like any old building that you might encounter at a historic downtown in America, but served as a jail until 1974 and opened in 1858. The original story is very long, so I'll keep it to a particular experience that I had at the jail that was even too much for me. The jail itself was pitch black. The cells were old and falling apart, with paint chipping and tons of debris that had fallen from the ceiling. It was as if no one ever owned the building. It just looked completely untouched. After a few hours of wandering through the jail, I tagged up with these paranormal investigators. We eventually found our way to the death row section where the other investigators were interested in contacting this particular woman. After a few minutes of asking questions and not getting anything, we decided to wrap up and check out a different part of the jail. We headed out of her cell and started walking down the hallway when one of the investigators told us to stop and look straight ahead. 
The jail was almost pitch black, but once I adjusted my eyes, I could distinctly make out a dark shadow of what appeared to be a woman peering over the corner, looking right at us. It just sat there for what seemed like several minutes, looking at us, as if she was curious as to why we were there. I was in pure fear. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on what I thought would be a quiet night. Safe to say, I haven't been back since. Story sent in by Andrew P. Andrew P. always coming in with some legendary ghost stories. That one particularly creepy. Great images that you used there, Dave. That was a wild story. Yeah, this was this one was scary. And uh, Andrew confirmed that I got the location right with those images that I used. I found the Crow Point Jail. So that what he was describing is was actually pretty accurate according to the pictures the place just looks like it's falling apart hasn't been used since the 70s so you get that creepy atmosphere and then you're in a haunted location that's known to be haunted and you see an actual silhouette of a human which is pretty indistinguishable you can or you can't you know what else could it be you're in your bedroom at night it could be a pile of laundry but you're in an empty prison and there's something peering around the corner from you that's alarming it's always good when it's not just one person seeing it because you've linked up with a paranormal group and they're like, look at that. And I don't know how many people you were with there. I know Andrew's in chat right now. So let us know how many people saw that ghostly figure. And that's terrifying. You get one that's kind of like peeking around a corner, looking at you. Very scary stuff. Very scary. And while we're we're waiting to get that answer, Brent, um, how many times have you been to prison? Um, actually I used to work in a prison, so <laughs> Lots, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I worked in a prison for like, uh, 14 years. So Brent, yeah. you fucked up. You fucked up. Cause you could have easily said I spent 14 years in prison. It would have, yes. been, the most, it would have been the most awkward moment in the history of this show. And it wouldn't yeah, have been a lie. You're right. Sorry. But yeah, I, I did. I did. So, I mean, I, but in, in, in investigation wise, no, I haven't investigated, but I, you know, like I said, I, I work there. So I can tell you those, those places have a lot of old ghosts. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. We've covered lots of haunted uh, prisons on this. Andrew confirms that there was three people, including himself. So did yep. you, all, did you all see it though? Did you all see the figure or did, was it just you? Cause I can't, what, I can't figure out what would be scarier if you're with a group of people and everybody sees something scary because it's it's it makes it scarier because you you now have confirmation that you're not just seeing things, or if you're the only one seeing it, is that actually scarier? Because no one else is witnessing what you're witnessing. Another thing that popped up in this story that really perked my ears was, uh, and I've heard heard of this from other investigators, and I don't really understand it, but they talk about being in a pitch black space or very very dark space, and and yet there are some entities that appear darker than that. And, and it's hard to understand if you have no light and you're in a space, what does that mean to look and and be able to actually see something that is darker than the pitch black moving around and, and how uh, either impressive or shocking that would be. That's, that's pretty incredible. Well, not necessarily the same thing, but you kind of described the basement in Rainham during the Bridgewater Mm -hmm. triangle episode as being like darker than dark. Mm-hmm. So, but, but to see something in a pitch black room, that's even darker than what you're looking at. That's obviously concerning. And right. again, Andrew confirmed that they all saw it mm. and for something like that to be seen by all that makes it, it not necessarily scarier because like you said, Dave, is it scarier if you're the only one who sees it? Maybe, but what's 
better about all of them seeing it is that it's confirmed that your eyes just aren't playing tricks on you mm. or that you're not going crazy or that this spirit doesn't seem to be targeting you individually, which is extremely concerning if you're the only one that sees it. So it's, it's cool to get verification on something like that. Uh, it's even cooler if you get a picture of it next time, Andrew. So step it up. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one that we have is a bit of a longer one. This one's unique. This one's unique. I had brought this up a while ago that if people want to, they could actually submit audio to us. So this one is audio. It's all the way from Australia. I'm not sure if they were able to tune in. I have no idea what time it is in Australia right now, but I would assume it's some inconvenient time. Anyone well, got Joe, the answer for us? Joe. Joe, what time? Joe's here. Joe, what time is it over there? It's like 10 in the morning. Are they 12 hours different? Yeah, they're like 12 hours different. So Okay. All right. It's actually not that bad. All right. All right. Well, this so was... this is a little longer. This gives the four of us the opportunity to get in character. And when we come back from this video, we're all going to be speaking in Australian accents. There's not a video, right? There is a video. Oh, I cool. put in some work. So all right. I'm excited for this one. This one is... Uh, is amazing. Andrew says it should be 1 p.m. over there. And Joe, Joe says 2 p.m. But it is a big country, so I don't know how the time zones work over there. But Just like they work here. Perhaps both. <laughs> they, they literally work like they work here. Well, obviously, but I don't know how many time zones there are over there. So, <laughs> Listen, I'm a nuclear physicist. I don't, I don't need this from you, all right? All of the sudden, I played the video. <laughs> Listener submitted ghost story. Stan Yanikopoulos. Adelaide, South Australia. I was with three gentlemen. One was called Don, one was called John and myself. We were bored. We were sitting in a cafe in Adelaide here in South Australia a few years back. And I said to him, you know what? Let's go to a place called Waterfall Gully. So John goes, okay. He's the one that sat in the back. I was the passenger and Don was the driver, he was the younger one. So we started going up there, it was windy roads and pretty dark. So as we got up there, I just had this feeling in me, but I didn't know what it was. So as we were going up there, it's like a French Charlotte kiosk or cafe, and it had like ornate bricks that went up and back and down. Now, as I was going, I had a glass with my eye and I saw something in black, right? I looked at Don and John, then I looked again, I looked up, I saw no face on this guy, all in black with a witch's hat. I turned around and said, John, Don, have a look quick. Can you see? They looked, they said there was no one there. So we started walking again and I'm telling you, I started really getting panicky. And on the right hand side, as we were walking to approach the waterfall, there were huts where you have barbecues, you know, during the day. I saw this thing in black, which I knew was that person that I'd seen. Guy, he was like as if he was on a motorbike. That's how fast he was going through. He went from hut to hut. I mean, now you've seen that, haven't you? They reckon, no. I thought, what the hell? Anyway, once we got past the next one, I saw it. I said, we're not going to there. We're going back. As we started going back, right, I couldn't believe they never saw anything. And I said to him, you haven't seen anything. They reckon, no. Then I looked up. He was up there, but he wasn't standing. He was sitting down 
and again, all the guy in the black with the witch's hat, and he was playing with his legs against the bricks. I couldn't believe. That's why I knew there's no, this ain't a ghost. I thought we were going to get bashed, but you know, there's gangs and stuff that happen here in South Australia. And I said to John and Don, "Have you seen that?" They reckon no. And I, I said to John, screaming at him to open the central locking because he was mucking around to open the car. And obviously, I got in the front, not driving. Don was driving, and John was in the back. He started going. I told him, "Hurry up!" And he started going because the roads were windy. Then he slams his brakes and goes, "John, stop it!" I looked at Don and I looked at John, nothing. Go, I said to him, mate, go. Anyway, he started going. As he went, he slammed his brakes and goes, stop it with those eyes. And I looked at him and I thought, what's it, what's it, John? John, what's going on? I thought they were mucking around. But they weren't mucking around because it happened again. And I turned around and I've never seen the scariest red eyes in a person. I knew that was a devil. I knew it, and there was tears running down his face, and I said to Don, go, we have to go to a church. It was a church about probably 15 k's away. So Don was going as fast as he can, then all of a sudden, I was just sitting in the front seat, I felt a pair of hands at the front of me starting to choke me. I knew I was getting choked, because, <laughs> and I tried to grab, there were no hands there. I turned around, he was crying, staring at me, right, with his eyes red. John. I met John, stop it! And nothing. Don goes, there's no, what's wrong? I mean, he's choking me, can't you tell? And he turned around and goes, can you just stop it? We really started panicking, me and Don. He literally, almost, I thought he was going to kill me. Don was going through every red light to get to Franklin Street Church, right? Back then I was a Greek Orthodox. So as he was doing that, first cop car put his lights on. The second cop car put his lights on. We were chased by three cops. I told him, don't stop. We need to go there. I need to do my prayers because something's bad to happen tonight. We got to the church and there were metal bars. We, John was in the car. Me and Don jumped the fence. I started doing my prayers, right? The cops grabbed me and grabbed Don, they went and looked at John, so they separated all three of us, and the cops go, you explain what the hell happened tonight. And Don was explaining what happened, his eyes went red at the back, and my partner was just in the front here, he almost um, got choked and killed, and he reckons he saw this thing in black, and the cops turned around, they heard me say it, they heard him say it, not from John, because John was la la land. Cops go, you know what, get the fuck out of here, Sorry about the language. There's no way you can make up this kind of story. They knew. We were shaking and John finally snapped out of it and I tried to explain to him, do you understand what had happened? Do you understand your eyes were red? Do you understand this and that? And he just, he wasn't talking much, but no, he goes, I don't. So we thought, okay. And I don't know what it was. We went to work. After work, it was only a four hour shift, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. Something told me go to the library. I don't know what it was. I'm at Don. We gotta go to the library. I think John, I think went home. I, I don't know, we just, I didn't want nothing to do with him that day. He just done my head in. Anyway, we go to the library and for some reason, I'm a Scott. Scott, who's Scott? So we started looking and the librarian goes, when do you want to look at, what, what? did you see a crime? I mean, no, I think something happened at Waterford Gully. So she made me look through all the papers to 1880, nothing. Then she goes, I said to her, there had to have been something, I know. She goes, you know what? There's only a, one other way. You have to go through the old film, 
digitally, those papers are preserved. We can't let you touch them. They're historic. I mean, all right, we went through and we found out 1864 and the story of Scott, right, was taken by a baker to Waterford Gully on a horse cart. Then he was taken, grabbed, shoved a noose around his neck with one of the heaviest bricks and stones and threw him in the waterfall. So he couldn't swim up, killed him. He got arrested a few days later. Don, nothing happened to him. He just witnessed the possession. John at the back was possessed. He was the killer and I was Scott. So what we did after that, we went and met these two Lebanese girls that we knew and we told them the story and they were fascinated. They were like, you know what we've got to do? We need to go to a coffee shop and we need to do a seance. You know, like, I mean, what do you mean? She reckons, what I'll do, I'll go and ask the owner for papers and we'll go from A, B, C, right through to Z. I mean, what's this do? I didn't know. I mean, is this bad? She goes, look, it's not bad. We'll just see what happens. I mean, so we started and then we asked questions. I said, look, what happened last night? So we all touched a packet of smokes and it started moving. And I thought, you know what? They're moving it. Ouija I mean, boys. Yeah. 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 I said, you know what? I don't want you to touch it. I'm putting my hand on it. I want to see because I know my hand will know if it's going. So I said, who was there? Was there a Scott? And it went to yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, so was he murdered? Scott. It went to yes. Let's go. That's, mm-hmm. that's me touching it and it's just gone crazy I let go the owner of the cafe came up to us and goes you know what I want you out of here I don't want this type of stuff this is this is evil so we were kicked out right and the girls go can we go there I mean we'll have to go I think we, we have to do it so it was about 10 o'clock and John wanted to come too because yeah. Don Don rang John anyway Don we, rang John Don yeah, yeah Don rang John back then there were no mobiles it, yeah. we had to do it from a home right. phone yeah, anyway so John now is in the back in the middle, I am sitting on the left-hand side at the back, and Leah, which was the Lebanese girl, was sitting on the right-hand side at the back. Donya was sitting in the front. We start driving up there. We just go up, yeah. show them, and leave. So what we did, we started doing the same thing, but this time, we didn't even get halfway up there. He slams his brake and goes, stop! I turned next, because he was next to me, his eyes, man, I have never seen the reddest eyes in my life. I'm talking they were so bright. You saw the same thing. He was already possessed, already. But he didn't want to get me this time. He wanted to get the girl in the front, which was Donya. So Donya now is was like 140 kilos. Her seat was put forward, so there's no way what happened next was physically couldn't happen. Her body slid right to the bottom. There was no way in hell that could have happened. She was too big, first of all. There wasn't enough room physically for that to happen, right? And obviously, Don has slammed the brakes. It was hysterical. John was crying, obviously being being possessed. Leah was freaking out, wanted to go home because this was just too much for her, right? All I remember was I reached to see if she was all right. I didn't get out because I was scared. And I just saw, this is pitch black dark. Both my arms lit up white. I've never seen them glow. And i that's what I think the hand of God, I don't know, angel, she died. And because I touched her, she, she, she lived. And we said, no more, go back. We didn't go. This possession was still in him. We took him home. 
right? I never saw him for a few months because I knew, I remember my mum saying to me also a few days later, yeah. you, something's wrong with you. Did you bring something evil in the home? So she made all these prayers and she made me throw something that she made from Greek religion away from the house. In other words, take the spirit away. Yeah. Yeah. And now that is an authentic story. It was backed by facts from the advertiser. It wasn't just them that were killed there. There was also a policeman rescuing a little baby. He rescued the baby. The policeman was on fire and that policeman apparently roams the hills and you can see him in balls of fire. I never saw that. That's another story that I heard and it's a true story. I've been back since, I won't lie. When we went back there, I got halfway past the kiosk. I didn't see any black person in witches hats, but when we stopped and we were about to go to the waterfall, we all stopped and this is about 10 o'clock at night, a little boy started talking. I turned around and I said to Jack, stop. He said, I didn't say anything. I mean, stop it, because you know what's happened. I told him the story. And we started walking again. And this time, I felt little hands push me on my back. I turned around to mum, thinking that she had done it. It wasn't her. We got in the car and left, man. This place was just, there's spirits all over that place. I wasn't a believer until I experienced what I experienced. Three men, young men, just wasting time to go to work in the morning. Who would have expected we were going to get possessed? Who expected this was going to happen to us? Wasn't made up, not scripted, true facts. Even the police, then, even the police like I said earlier, like my, my daughter just said, no way you could have made this story up no, to get away. all three of you say yeah. the exact same story. Yeah. So, to me, I will never forget it. I've said this story to many people over the years, and how many people have just agreed because they know they've experienced similar because of Scotty, you know, the killer. Once he chooses who he wants to possess, they have no control of their body. And that was the scariest part. But evil's evil, it doesn't matter. Evil will still, look, what it is, because I've seen it, um, it's like I've welcomed them. And like my wife always said, you don't do that because if I go up there again, something will happen. It rattled us for years and still rattles me. Yes, I like to talk about the story, but end of the day, right, what I saw was evil. I saw him. That's why I think I welcomed him into my life, right? I welcomed him to the car. My mate John has always been into demons and stuff, you know. We used to talk yes. about a lot of that and stuff. That's, exactly that's why possessed he, by the bad one. And he was easy to possess. John, Don, because he was innocent, pure and young, you know, believes in God, and so do I, obviously, but that's why nothing happened to him. But he did experience, he said, the worst feeling of his life, seeing that red eyes. I'm talking, don't look at just like red eyes because you're tired. You're dark, and all of a sudden, it's like someone's put red globes in his eyes. And the crying. Never, ever have I experienced that. And the worst was when I was getting choked, and choked by no hands, but... I told the police officers, have I got marks on my neck? He said, yes. End of the day, there's going to be believers, there's going to be non-believers. I've experienced a few things over the years, but that is something that I don't care what anyone says, it happened. So thank you all for listening. All right, so that's a wild story. A lot of layers there. Uh, It's a long one, but that was uh, sent to us from Australia. 
So big shout out to Stan for for uh, recording that story and sending it over. And I believe Connor, who recorded the conversation in Australia, and then uh, and sent that one over to Captain McSlugs, who works with um, Connor. So that's how the story got running yeah. around to us. But yeah, that story was great. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Shit. Good job, Brent. That's why we have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. So this one reminds me of that Ed and Lorraine Warren case. We covered it in the Dark Mysteries episode, where it was. Uh, the story of Bill Ramsey over in England back in, I think, the 70s or 80s, where he thought he was a werewolf. They ended up finding out it was he was actually possessed by a demon. And But there was that one scene where they're all in the car, and as he had the red eyes, and he just starts acting all possessed and, and attacking his friends in the car. That kind of gave me – kind of felt like that. Because you talk about demonic possessions and the – like the Catholic church has like very strict guidelines for what constitutes a demonic possession. It has to be like the three stages, the infestation, the stage of oppression and the stage of possession for it to actually be considered a demonic possession. But there's so many other accounts of people being temporarily possessed by a demon and having experiences that sounded very similar to this one. Mm. Yeah. It could be made into a movie with all the layers that kind of went down on it but it seems like the most intense experience was their first experience but then when they decided to pack up and go back they it seems like they almost ran into something equally as dangerous so very scary stuff and it's it's a a scary story overall but what i love about the story is as he's telling it you could hear the like you listen to people tell stories and you can tell he 100 percent is telling you what happened to him. It's not like he's sitting there making up a story on the fly or whatever. Like just just the confidence in the way he's telling it and just the the mental recollection of the way that he delivered this entire thing is how you know like this is what happened to him. This is what he remembers and what a wild ride that story is. So mm. big shout out to uh Stan for sending that in and thank you guys. That's a that's a long one. It was the first so, ever listener recorded listener submitted ghost story. Yes, it was. So uh, if you have a story and you have the means to record it, you're welcome to send it in that way and any other way that you want to do it. But, you know, part six will be coming up eventually. So get those stories in, send them over, keep sending them over. And if it's been a while since you sent your story, feel free to resubmit it because these things do get lost in the shuffle. So shout out for pronouncing that last name. Thank you. I've been studying Greek for about a year. I haven't made much progress, but I asked the wife, I was like, how do I say this? And she said it like that. So I said it like that. And I probably still butchered it, but you know, we got as close as we could. <laughs> so, a lot closer than I would have come. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up. Brent, thank you so much for joining us again. Always a legend. Oh, thanks guys. It's Nerds. it's awesome to be here with you guys. It's, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've known you guys forever. I mean, it's just really easy to hang out with you all. So thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to have you. Shout out to our patrons. For our VIPs, we have Dave D. We have Kate and Steve M. Blazora, Lost in Colorado Mountains. We have Joseph S. Glitter Tees Cammy from Washington, Dakota G. We have Nick. We have Donnie N. We have Inspires Gaming. Allison V. Robert H. Hometown Ghost Stories loves Ohio. We have Jort Wearing Cola Sipping evangelizing alien <laughs> we have demon king and mom and pops w and lisa j those are our vips for the warren's wards we have nefarious chad poles jeanette we have wahini pirate 
I hate Rob. We have Eugene M. We have Siobhan, not Sharon, Kath Q, Liz Young, DC, Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HTGS guest. We have the other Rachel B, Sarah C. We have Stitch Kitten, Ambie Rose, Janice G, Masturbation Bacon. We have Lily, Rachel B, Dave's Tiny Porcelain Hands with Unseen Doll Lips. We have Cody G. We have the Sydney B. Papa Squatch, we have Mike, the, ep the epitome of mischievous nuclear herbs, Blake. Yes, I pronounced it that way on purpose, all of a sudden. We have Jake V, we have Ball. We have bongs, aliens, and jorts, and tinfoil hats. Oh, my, Steph A. Thank you so much for being part of the Warren's Wards. And lastly, but not leastly, kind of leastly, because it is the lowest tier, but we have our Ghost Pirate Mafia at Angel F. We have Monstrous Mom 04. We have Reed M. Lacey, Shannon K. Uh, I'm sorry, we have Allie, Dark Snark. We have the only terrifying thing about this episode is Rob's face. <laughs> wow this person's awesome we have one of ghost rob's yeeted orphans we have uh, megan s we also have morgan s we have alien trying to yeet thoughts to dave but denied we have ghost stories of the paranormal podcast ah uh, yes oh that's why it was denied there we go perfect <laughs> We have Mark Twain in the Haunted Grape. We have Julie S. Sharon V. Arcade Hunters. Wayne C. Kelly C. We have Grandma's Haunted Bong Water Tastes Like Rob's Tears. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Quinn. Aaron A. Mina H. Colby. We have Daddy Rob Loves Bonging in Ohio with Dave's Haunted Hat. We have Alicia E. We have Thick Boy Freddy. Allegedly half of the sudden... Jesus Christ. All right. We have Thick Boy Freddy. Allegedly half of the sudden... Half of the sudden, instead of all of a sudden. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to get through it. We're only about halfway through his half name. We have, thick, we have Thick Boy Freddy, allegedly half of the sudden, eating his, his incessantly bonging clock at a coke-addicted Jordan alien. How the fuck did you fit that in the character limits? That is... I thought we surpassed that. Like, there's no way that entire novel, that was amazing. all five chapters, got included in your Patreon. It's unbelievable. Half of the sudden is my favorite. <laughs> it took me like six times to read it. I, I had a hard time. We have Jurassic Pork. That's great. We have <laughs> that bong, bong, a bong, 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 Cisco 1999, Dave 2024. <laughs> Sam from Nepal. We have Joe R. Nagatu Kangaroo. We have Paul from St. Louis, Ashley M, Al Capone, Huggy Bear. We have Uchiwala Bang Bang, the Dick King of the Crabites. I am struggling through this list today. We have Solar Flare. We have Mariah M. We have Carolee J. We have Anthony, the Sideways Walking Crabite T. Brandon W., Hooper the Hellhound, Dave vs. 100, Alpha Frogs. And finally, we have Bong. <laughs> you've had a soundboard this whole time and you haven't been using it the whole show <laughs> imagine if he was just hitting that during the ghost stories how, just, how much of a letdown that would be just the opposite just the opposite of the hometown ghost story stamp of approval yeah exactly Yikes. approval <laughs> Well, none of those stories earned that sound today because that was a, a nice batch of amazing stories. So thank you to everyone who submitted stories. Again, keep them coming. We will do more of these in the future. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks again to Brent. Make sure you go follow him. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Listen to his podcast. It is one of a kind and it's amazing. So make sure you do that. His links are in the show notes down below. And anything else, gentlemen? That's going to do it for me. All right. This Friday, we'll review... The Thing from 2011, so not the 1982 version that we just reviewed, but the prequel that came out in 2011, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. Subscribe to the HTGS Reviews channel. That is where we do our reviews now. And uh, yeah, I think that'll pretty much be it. We'll be back in the regular swing of things with another regular episode next week. We'll see you guys then. Thank you so much. 
See you next time.